This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. A heads up to our listeners that this episode has been recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to our discussion exploring the HSBC Sustainable Financing and Investing Survey with a focus on results that may be of particular interest to issuers. Joining us for the conversation from HSBC, we have Daniel Clear, Group Head of Sustainable Financing, Christian Desiglees, Head of Sustainable Finance and Investments, Jonathan Drew, Head of ESG Solutions Group, Farnan Big Golly, Head of Sustainable Bonds, Julie Bennett, Managing Director for Corporate Risk Solutions and Julian Lewis, our editorial consultant from Euromoney. Welcome and thank you for joining the launch of this year's HSBC Sustainable Finance Survey. This year's survey comes at a particularly interesting time. I think we all know that the, the pandemic accelerated a decade of change. And I think we observed that investors are clearly stepping up into this change. Companies are leaning in across all different sectors. We have seen large oil and gas companies, technology firms, automotive companies materially changing their strategy and leaning into a net zero world. And we have seen governments and policymakers stepping up. So this survey, I think, is particularly interesting because it puts facts to beliefs. It's the fourth year of our survey, and I think it allows us to show long-term trends, and we observe a material increase in appetite from investors and issuers in sustainable finance. The survey covered 2,000 respondents across 34 territories in four regions. It covered respondents from governments, banks, issuers, oil and gas companies, agriculture, transportation, and many other sectors. So I think it gives you a very broad view of what's actually happening in, in the space. And I hope you will find the results as insightful as, as I do. With that, I would love to hand you over to Julian Lewis, who is an editorial consultant at Euromoney. He will give you a quick run through the results, and then my colleagues will moderate a, a discussion. Julian, over to you, and thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Daniel. And with that, I'd like to quickly highlight some of the most interesting and important points. The first of these, environmental and social issues, are now extremely important in the capital market. An overwhelming majority of market participants on both the buy and sell sides say that environmental and social issues are either very important to their organization or somewhat important. And as many as 93% of issuers and 86% of investors say this. One of the strongest themes in last year's survey was the importance of values. The biggest single reason that both issuers and investors gave for caring about environmental and social issues was that they thought it was right to do so. So we asked the same question this year and found that the results have changed quite a lot. For issuers, values are still the most important driver for caring about ENS, with 55% saying so, but that's a lower share than last year, while pressure from NGOs is a more common reason this year than last. Meanwhile, on the investor side, values are no longer the top reason. They've been overtaken in popularity by as many as three other factors. The biggest of these is that investors say caring about ENS can improve their investment returns and or reduce risk 
49% answered that. We asked about barriers to ESG in investing. And one of the most important aspects of ESG is that investors find it difficult. It's a new field they haven't necessarily been trained for. And the world as a whole is still working out how to take these issues into account. So like last year, we asked investors, is anything holding you back from pursuing ESG investing more fully and broadly? And the results are very encouraging. In 2019, well above half the investors in all regions except Asia did feel held back by different obstacles. This year, those percentages have fallen dramatically. For example, in the Americas, last year, 76% of investors felt impeded. This year, it's only 51%. In Europe, it's almost halved from 66% to 34%. It's true that Asia's level hasn't changed much at about 40%. But again, in the Middle East, it's come down from 77% to 69%. So we asked investors, do you need more advice and information on aspects of ESG investing? For most categories of investor, about half of them do. Interestingly, the one that they want, or the fewest of them want advice on is green, social, and sustainable bonds, which suggests that this product is increasingly well understood in, in the market. What they especially want advice on are the really big, difficult, real-world problems, how to invest so as to promote the sustainable development goals how to measure the impact of their investments and how to understand the most fundamental risks and problems such as how climate change will affect the world and the global economy. And one of the most important pieces of research in the survey is about issuers' expectations of when climate change will begin to affect their businesses. And the major change since last year is that now only 18% of issuers think it will begin to affect them in the medium term, by which we mean up to 10 years from now. Uh, and this was 30% last year. But the really important point is that over 90% of issuers expect to be impacted by climate change at some point. 80% of them expect this to take place in the next 30 years. And 37% say it's already affecting them. We'll finish with what is arguably the most significant question of all. We asked issuers whether in the next five years, they expect to change how they allocate capital, whether away from activities challenged by environmental and social issues and or towards activities that promote positive outcomes. It's the second year uh, that we've run this question and the results are impressive. Last year, 65% of issuers said they expect to make such changes to a notable extent or substantially. This year, it's 77%. And the share who don't expect to do this at all has halved to just 3%. What this means is that virtually the whole corporate sector is planning to change where it puts its capital for environmental and social reasons. And for anyone who doubts that environmental and social questions are relevant to investing and financing, perhaps even central to these activities, there's your answer. Um, and Julian, thank you very much. Um, so yes, I'm Jonathan Drew, lead our ESG solutions group based here in Hong Kong. Uh, but the first question I wanted to ask you, Julian, was just to sort of 
one of the areas you mentioned it was in in respect to think through on the time horizon within which investors and issuers thought that ESG would impact them, and that sort of seemingly on the surface slightly anomalous result that you know people were somehow seeing the impacts to be further into the future than they did last year. Do you think that's in, in, impacted by this, and do you see differences of the are the big corporates just more short-term focused, do you think? Or is there a difference across investor perspectives that you think is driven or is, is a function of just size of the, the corporate or the investor? This particularly comes out in the question on, on climate change, where quite a significant body of respondents have, as it were, put the potential impact further out in time where there was a very significant body who thought that the medium term was where they would expect the impact that has fallen and the proportion who put it out between 10 and 30 years time. So beyond their their working careers potentially has gone up. I'm not sure that we found statistically significant differences in the underlying constituencies to that response. It seems to be more to do with the extent to which you feel that the pandemic is such an immediate emergency that all other issues, climate change included, have become somewhat secondary. But of course, it remains the case that the single largest block of issuers asked about climate change is the one that say already affirm that it's affecting their businesses now. So in that sense, we're perhaps talking about a secondary effect rather than a change in the core response to, to that challenge. That's really interesting, Jillian. That was one of the points that, that I found really interesting in the survey. The other one that I wondered if you could comment a little bit more on is the change in responses when it comes to the importance of ESG because of values and the fact that that dropped year on year and participants seem to be moving towards other reasons for attributing importance for to ESG. That does appear to be linked in some way to the pandemic. You know, in, in particular, it's investors taking that stance. For, for issuers, it is still the single most important driver of their engagement with sustainability, albeit that it's come down 10 points year on year. But for investors, it has actually been superseded uh, as, as a driver by as many as three other elements that would suggest either that, you know, investors are, are in some sense distracted by their nearer term challenges, or perhaps it's possible, you know, at, at the same time that there's a kind of a maturing of their perspective on these issues, you know, in a sense, a kind of a hardening of, of what they have to say about why ESG is important. It's not that it's something soft and fuzzy that we ought to do this because it's intrinsically important, but in fact, they see tangible benefits particularly in the area of risk reduction. And that may be the point of linkage to, to the pandemic, because clearly risk has been front and center for them all, all year long. Absolutely. And then maybe also a link to some of the challenges that were mentioned by investors this year as well. The fact that the challenges have, have grown to be more on the technical front 
the lack of comparability of data, it seems like they are engaging more with the topic. Yes. And so the challenge isn't so much a philosophical challenge, but rather an implementation challenge. And on the on the investor side, so I was a little surprised to see that uh, some investors are actually growing more cautious about the uh, on the outlook for for returns, uh, especially because a lot of you know academic research and studies has shown that there is a positive correlation between the ESG scores and, and performance. We've also shown that uh, ESG stocks, uh, well, the better rated ESG stocks, are actually performing better than uh, than the wider market. So can, can you expand a little bit on that? I think that's that's one of the more challenging findings of the survey, actually. That so we see both a doubling down from one tranche of the investor community who are saying actually the pandemic makes us believe even more strongly that we need to take these issues into account. We need to to rethink how we assign risk premia. And another cohort within the investor community who appear to have lost some some faith in that notion. I think how we've understood that is that those may be, you know, faster money type investors, investors judged on rather shorter timescales and who found, you know, the market gyrations of of this spring in, in particular sufficiently challenging that they had less bandwidth for these considerations. Yeah, just wanted to, to pick up a, a point you were saying, how do you think about e- and more incorporation of ESG into the credit appetite and you know, rating of them from the, the lender side? How have you seen, uh, I believe part of the survey also covered disclosure. Um, how do you, if you want more uh, credit for your and, and benefit from your ESG factors and, and favorable sustainability metrics, certainly disclosure has to be part of that, but that might also be a gap for investors and lenders when looking at issuers. What were were there any uh, conclusions about how disclosure is occurring today and and what needs to be remedied? I think that's a, a great question. Thank you, Julie. And I I think it's interesting to reflect that issuers essentially say they're doing a great job on disclosure and they're happy with the direction of travel. There's a, a sort of a grumpy uh, residue of about 10% who don't like the direction of, of travel, but but everyone else is on board and quite a significant proportion of them are quite, I don't want to say self-congratulatory, but, but are enthusiastic about that. And yet, at the same time, investors are saying uh, that the quality and the consistency of issuers' disclosures isn't good enough from their perspectives. So clearly, that disconnect needs to be tied up. And maybe this is is further evidence for some of the very recent momentum we're seeing, whether it's in the World Economic Forum in partnership with some major reporting organizations, but also IFRS is uh, the IFRS Foundation launching a consultation around all focused on the effort of can we get more consistency on the reporting and the disclosure. And this certainly supports the the need for that uh, for, from both sides. Perhaps even that grumpy 10% that doesn't like the, the disclosure required, at least if it was you knew what you had to, to share um, to get good benefit from it, it would be worthwhile. You know, it's clear that we also don't have consistency between how they're trying to factor ESG into the traditional notion of credit. And we see new initiatives of that sort almost weekly. I think Fitch had a, 
a new one just just last week, um, a long term sustainability risk assessment, which seems a super interesting development, but that both offers the promise of wide take up and the you know the risk that it's confined to the narrow group of issuers who solicit uh, ratings from Fitch. So. So again, consistency on, on the rating side will be important here. And the other thing that jumped out to me was how seemingly, and certainly for the issuers and maybe for investors as well, that regulatory pressures had sort of receded a little bit in the relative ranking. And it so, sort of suggests, and to, to Farnham's earlier comment, that this is the sort of the private sector and an ever-growing private sector as a proportion of overall economic activity taking more responsibility. So it's a sort of an indicator of perhaps a turning point in, in the markets. I think that's that's a very interesting point. And and at the at the top level, I, I definitely agree with it. I would in, in some regions and some individual national markets, regulators are still feeling the need to wield uh, a big a big stick. But that isn't consistent by by any means. So it may be that this is one of the indices of inconsistent progress globally. You know, albeit that the big picture is one of, as you say, forward momentum. Yeah, on that point, it was interesting to me looking through the the responses and trying to see how much the forthcoming EU taxonomy and the enormous amount of I think regulatory change that we are headed for in Europe was reflected in the responses. I don't know if you felt differently, Julian, but I actually don't think it necessarily is there, especially looking, for instance, at you know, how European um, issuers responded to the question around disclosure and a majority saying, you know, we already disclose enough and we don't plan to disclose anymore. Whereas, of course, you know, with the regulatory changes here in Europe, they are going to have to be disclosing a lot more. I think generally, European responses in the survey are very striking and, and very interesting. They clearly reflect the maturity of, of the market, you know, compared to, to some other regions, the length of time that some, that some market participants have spent on these questions already, you know, which can make sort of intra-regional comparisons a bit unfair because everybody isn't starting from, from the same point. It may also be that pressure from consumers, particularly powerful in Europe, that, that was one of the, the senses that, that I had reading the, the survey where, you know, the level of engagement from, from issuers in particular is so tremendous. You also see this in, in the Americas. That seems to speak to a very strong pull from important constituencies to them, you know, which would on, on the issuer side w- would appear to be, you know, consumers slash, slash taxpayers. And, and you know, com- conversely, European investors seemed especially representative of this, you know, this, this new theme of focus on risk and risk and return, you know, where, where some investors are telling us very clearly that paying attention to ESG can reduce their investment risk and other investors are clearly fretting that they're sacrificing some return. There's, I think, probably an important divergence of, of views there in, in the investor community. You know, and it would be it would be interesting to see further work with, with investors on that. Talking to sort of what's very much sort of 
Farnham and my world around finance products, which came up later on, but then looking at issuers, only I think 60 something percent was sort of seemed to be satisfied that there were the financial products there. And there was still a significant proportion who were saying there weren't enough financial products to meet needs. Yes. And I, I, I think one of the striking elements at, at the product level is how engaged issuers are with this whole area of, of sustainability linked products, both uh, we didn't ask about the new generation sustainability linked bonds. It'll be very interesting to, to hear views on those next year, but sustainability linked loans and, you know, seem to tap into a strong belief in the issuer community that certainly the part of the issuer community that, you know, that looks to bank lending as its primary financing channel, that there needs to be a close a very close and tight link between broad sustainability efforts and their borrowing. So actually, they were they were saying that they would like to be rewarded more, you know, as as lower risk credits if they they're particularly advanced on the sustainability front, you know. And in 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 that sense, the sort of the the kind of classical ratchet that we're seeing on sustainability linked lending and and sustainability linked bonds you know is a first step of that but issuers are saying actually you know we we'd like to be rewarded more you know they they're asking their lenders to reconceive the notion of credit you know that a a very highly advanced issuer on a sustainability from a sustainability perspective is a better credit than a higher rated less advanced peer I think that's a that's a very provocative and and, and interesting uh, signal that that issue was ascending. I guess, Julian, uh, you know, I'm interested to see um, to to hear from you. I guess looking forward to next year, what you think you know the big trends are going to be in in sustainable finance, either among issuers or investors. You know, based on the responses that you've seen. I mean, you've touched on one just now, which is that there does seem to be this appetite for. Um, you know, greater rewards. So maybe we'll see more sustainability-linked bonds. But any other predictions? I guess at, at the highest level, the question is: Does does this strong momentum that we're seeing does that continue even further? Will issuers and and investors get to the point where disclosure isn't even a question worth asking because it's just automatic? That's probably not a question for for next year, but that's the direction of travel. The divergence between different investors on the the risk and return spectrum is very important to to see. But obviously, the context in which we'll be posing the the survey is so dependent on how the pandemic plays out, you know, and what that means for engagement, and in particular, whether it remains the case that despite all of the incredible challenges that issuers and investors have faced this year, they have been willing to double down on their sustainability efforts. Is that the case next next year? I, I guess that is the ultimate question for the for, for the twenty one survey. So we are just out of time now uh, today, but thank you very much for everybody joining us today, and thank you to all of our guests today who have uh, covered this very interesting subject on ESG. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, Banking and Markets. 
For more information about anything you heard in this podcast or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.